So we've we've the whole the whole thing is looking at reaching out through uh, through words, wonders, and now we come to the the third W. Um, interesting. So I, I don't know if you remember the the old um, small group cell group way of doing things, and uh, we were looking at the the four W's. I remember doing some training with some small group leaders, and uh, I said, "They say, can you remember? Let's let's have a talk about the four W's." And, and I was really kind of hoping that you know uh, a witness would be high up then. That they managed to get the welcome really well, and that was great. And then the word was there, and that was good. And worship was there, and, and then it just came to a grinding halt. And you can imagine my, my, my kind of shock. I kept the shock well hidden, but I'm there and I'm going, come on, guys, what's the fourth W? And someone's hand kind of went, wine? I said, <laughs> it's just like, fantastic. Okay, no, no. And then somebody else said, would it be witness? I'm going, oh, amen, hallelujah. So <laughs> there we go. So we're at the third W of the afternoon, um, which isn't wine. It is, it is works. And uh, it's my great delight to uh, welcome Rob. Hey guys, I'm having fun. It's my favourite subject today. Um, so I'm Rob, I lead um, Cross Community Church in Attleborough, and um, I, I want to just talk a little bit about a model for evangelism, um, which touches on words and works and all, all, all of them in a little way. Um, and then I was going to say a little bit about Heart for the Lost, and then Julia's going to come and um, really unpack a bit more um, the work side of things. So that's where we're going. Um, I guess uh, when it comes to evangelism, there comes to a point where you actually say, well, well, how are we going to do it? I mean, like, it's good. We, we've got the principles, but how are we going to do it together? Is there any way that we can be organized? Is there any way that we can pl- be planned in doing outreach? And so who cares is really, was really just a, one model of many models that are out there for how to actually do it. How do we actually get people out there and really doing the stuff. And I guess alpha is another model. It's, it's a way to do to do it, actually train people to do it. And um, so I just want to give uh, just a quick update about the vision and what's happened with Who Cares, um, because it was, I think, about a year and a half ago, actually, that I shared the vision for what we were going to do. And I, I know many people have been asking what actually happened. So um, I thought that would be helpful. The vision for Who Cares was all about sharing with thousands of people the love of Jesus. Um, It wasn't to inspire social action, although it did do that. Um, It wasn't to unite the church. We didn't pitch for the vision of unity, um, although that did happen as a byproduct. It was simply a way of answering this question, how could we together as churches tell a stack load of people about Jesus? And Who Cares was just a model for us doing that together. Um, Recognizing that actually for the ordinary people in our church, telling people about Jesus isn't something that's always very, it seems to them very natural or seems very easy. Um, So we wanted to give them something to do to help them. Um, We call it Who Cares because that's how many people feel in our land today. A third of British adults, when asked, said they felt they had no one to turn to in a crisis. No one. And so we called it Who Cares because it was about saying, hey, look, Jesus cares and we care and we want to we wanna listen to you. We want to connect with you. And our approach to doing mission was kind of different to how missions have gone in the past. Um, it was based on something that we piloted in my local church, although we didn't see it at all like that at the time. Um, and the mission was all based around um, listening and asking this one question. 
what hurts the most? Or we phrased it in two ways. Or what's the one thing in life you find hardest to handle? And we basically lowered the bar and we said we want to get everyone in our churches just out there simply listening to people, giving them an opportunity to complete anonymously a card and just see what happens. And um, we people filled in thousands of these cards. And the more we've done it, the more we've realized that the question kind of by accident is a really good question for a number of reasons. It's, it's a good question because... We genuinely want to know. It's not like a trick question. We, we care about what's going on in people's lives. As a church leader, I want to know what is hurting my community. Um, it was a good question because we found everybody can answer. Not everybody knows what it is to feel love, but they all know what it is to feel pain. And so everyone can answer the question. Um, it was a good question because it helps us relevantly share Jesus. When you know what hurts someone, you can gently and humbly go back to them and say, look, I, I haven't got all the answers, but... Jesus has got some things to say about the issue. Are you interested? And um, it also interests others outside the church. So when we did it, we got in the paper, we got on the radio. The council liked that we were doing it. They were interested in what we were doing. They were asking about it. We even found out groups of psychologists were discussing what we were doing because they were so interested that the church was taking the time to listen. Um, <coughs> but we also found that people are willing to answer. When we first did it, we were a bit terrified, and I had a little bit of a mild panic attack thinking, is this really awful that we're doing this one-question survey? Will people think we're really rude for asking? But we've received just so many raw, honest responses to this simple question. And um, when, we di when we actually um, did the Who Cares mission in June last year, when we started, we had a big um, kind of stall outside the forum in Norwich City, and we, we had a wall of some of the answers that people had given us. And it was amazing seeing people's reaction just to people's answer to the question. Some people were literally hypnotized by one answer, they'd look at all the others and they'd look back at one. One woman um, saw our answers, burst into tears, came up to one of our helpers and said, I don't know what you're doing, but I want to help. She wasn't a Christian. She was just moved that we were dealing with these kind of issues. And um, so I just wanted to share, to share with you what happened, um, what was the result of this kind of model. It's just one of many models. Um, we shared the vision with 600 people in Norfolk Cathedral, Norwich Cathedral, um, in February last year. And these are some of the things that God did. We ended up working with um, 50 churches, um, came together, were excited about the vision. We ended up asking, we estimate, 50,000 people. We had 20,000-plus responses. Um, we had 3,500 New Day young people help us, which is the highest number I think we've ever sent out on outreach at New Day. Um, we had 1,400 people at an Alpha Supper where we shared the results, um, which Alpha told us was the largest Alpha Supper that's ever happened in the UK, which was pretty cool. Normal for Norfolk, hey, Angela? Um, you said it. Um, <coughs> we had Nikki Gumbel and Daryl Tunningley, and it was just fantastic. We actually had um, a coach load of sixth formers come. We had groups of people from the YMCA come, come to know Jesus. We had two Iranian Muslim ladies who responded to the gospel at the end of the evening while Nikki Gumbel was speaking, said they felt Jesus was speaking to them. Um, and then we also gave away 2,000 of these books, which was just a simple book explaining how the gospel, what Jesus has to say about the hurts that we're going through. And there, there are some of these if you want one um, at the bookstore. Um, so that's what we saw. Um, churches listened, and then they responded in all sorts of ways, not just running an alpha course, um, running sermon series on the top answers, running their responses through their social action groups, um, doing specific talks to groups. It was quite fun. You could kind of survey a group, 
and then go back to that group and say, look, guys, this is what we're doing. It just created a really easy way to invite a whole community group to hear the gospel and then not really think you're evangelizing. It was amazing. Um, we did cafes, um, youth work. I think 4,500 young people are being impacted by the school's work as part of Who Cares that is going on. Um, we ran special events. We did giveaways. There was a whole host of um, activity, but it was all based around this simple concept of why don't we, why don't we listen and why don't we respond with the gospel and, and just base it around out of compassion, listening to people and finding out what hurts the most. We've, we've had quite a few stories, as you can imagine, as things have gone on. Uh, actually, funnily enough, at our Thanksgiving event at St. Thomas's, a lady turned up and she didn't know what the event was. She was just sent to help. And um, she was there and she said, I- I'm here to help. And we were like, oh, who are you? And she said, well, I'm not somebody who's been coming to ch- church for very long. And we said, well, how did, you, how did you come into church? And she said, well, over this year, someone asked me this question and I filled in a card about what hurts the most. And then, and then I got invited to this Alpha event and I came to the Norfolk Showground. And since then, I've joined the church and I've become a Christian. And she was like, so why are we here? <laughs> and we're like, wow, we're actually here to celebrate people like you. Um, we, we had a couple in my church where um, they were separated and um, both were, were kind of de-churched, you would say. Um, he came to the Alpha event, came on our Alpha course, encountered Jesus, um, came to our sermon series, which we did one on, we called it Who Cares About Relationships? And we just talked about relationships. And um, he basically encountered Jesus Christ. He said, Jesus has come into my life. I'm like a different person. His, his wife, who was separated from could tell he was a different person. And um, at the end of our sermon series on who cares about relationships, um, right on the last day, they came down the front of the church, hand in hand, crying. Now, you know that's a good sign, don't you? (laughs) Um, And um, they since have done a marriage course and moved it back in together and God's been doing amazing things. I was like, Lord, that was really nice of you. Like a series about relationships. To end like that. Thanks, Lord. Um, What was really fun was also just seeing God break out in smaller churches. There was one small church in Norwich of about 30 people, um, half of them over the age of 90, I'm told, who really got gripped by the Who Cares model for doing mission. And um, they kind of had this breakout of God. I don't think they'd seen people saved for decades. And they saw seven people get saved, not just saved, saved, you know, like really in there. Um, then like a whole family that were like neighbors to the church. It was like a chain reaction. They got saved at a Who Cares event over the summer. Then one of them shared their testimony on Who Cares About Loneliness at another event. Someone got saved at that. And so like each event kind of led from one to the other. It was just amazing to see the life of God move in a church that was not small and, and yeah, amazing seeing God move. So um, that's just a one model. There's loads of models, but there does come a point where it's important to think about how are we going to do this? Actually going to do it? What are we going to ask our people to do? How are we going to train them to do it? Alpha is a great model. Um, who cares? Is just one model. Um, but it's important to get to that point where you actually decide how are you going to do evangelism in your church? And um, just to say, going forward, if you're interested, um, we're starting to go around and speak to groups of churches that want to do it. So um, I think we're going to Hampshire um, in July. A group of churches there um, are really keen. Um, so yeah, if, if you feel like God's maybe on really stirring you about doing something like this, um, let me know and we'll pull something together. Um, I just want to close before we have a little bit of time of prayer 
Um, just talking about Heart for the Lost and Foundations for Evangelism. Um, we've had so much helpful content, and I don't feel like I'm saying anything very new. Um, but two things really stood out to me when I was thinking about this, and they're kind of partly kind of personal as well as based on the Bible, that two of the foundations of evangelism are delighting in God and compassion for the lost. Delighting in God and compassion for lost people. Um, when you delight in God for yourself, you want him to get more worship, and you want to share the joy that he has given you. A miserable Christian really is the worst evangelist. And so helping people to enjoy God lays the foundation for effective evangelism. For me, evangelism began on my own in my bedroom with a Stonely Worship CD. I didn't go to a charismatic church. Enjoying God, knowing his love for me, and thinking, I want the whole world to know the joy that I'm feeling right now. They don't know this. This is like the best thing ever. But they don't know. I've got to tell them. Somebody's got to tell them. <laughs> it, it all starts with delighting and enjoying God for yourself. Um, Rick Warren says this. This is the starting point of all ministry, to feel loved by God. Not to know it, but to feel loved by God. It is the starting point for every ministry, every revival, every renewal, every great, and awake, great awakening. Knowing it for yourself is the foundation. And then the other foundation is compassion, compassion for the lost. Compassion trumps fear every time. It wins. Love casts out fear, as we were praying earlier. The fear that makes us say, stay silent or still. You know, let me be honest. I am so often terrified of evangelism. I never stop being terrified. You know, I can have the greatest triumph yesterday and today be absolutely mortified that the Lord wants me to speak to someone and have a long argument with him about it. Like, Lord, I'm not talking to that person. I'm terrified. And we see again and again in different in, in the lives of the, the, of the Bible, uh, people in the Bible, that this passion, you know, Paul's life, you see his pulsating heart for the lost. You see, like, how the lengths he will go to to tell people about Jesus. I'm always kind of wrecked by Romans 9, where he talks about his heart for Israel, that he, he's saying, oh, oh, I, I wish I could be cut off for them. You know, I don't even quite know what he means. <laughs> But you, f you just feel like the pulsating heart, heart of his compassion, don't you? And Jesus, when he saw a crowd, like, I don't know, when, you, when I see a crowd, I, I'm not necessarily moved. But when Jesus sees a crowd, it's like he sees, the f he sees the people and he's moved with compassion. He thinks they're like sheep without a shepherd. We've got to do something. We've got, uh, and um, he teaches them. Uh, last week, uh, a few weeks ago, I was um, prompted to go to a pub in my town. I just felt God saying to me, you Rob, you need to go to this pub. And it's not got a great <laughs> reputation. Oi, not like that. <laughs> Soft drinks, all right? And so me and Christine went to this pub, and um, we, were, we, were sat, we were sat there. I just, I just knew I had to be there. I didn't know why. I just knew I had to be there. And then there was this woman who we got chatting to, and she um, was in a terrible way. And in fact, everybody was in that pub. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you see everyone looks broken. It's like you see it on their faces. It was almost like the room was black. Like it was, it was, it was like coming in and thinking, who's died? I mean, what is, what is this atmosphere? It was weird. And it was like we were sat there like happily drinking our J2Os. Um, 
and and um, the, the, I, I, we've we, we've been in that pub before and done a bit of outreach. And I saw a lady that I knew, and I just said, "Everything going okay with you?" And she said, um, "Yeah, I'm fine. I'm almost completely better from something." And I thought, "Oh, almost. Let's pray for you." Found out she had a pain in her her arm. Um, prayed for her four times. Name of Jesus. Did it how Mike Betts tells us to. Um, scale of one to ten, all that stuff. And um, by the fourth time, she she it's like she knew what to do. She got out of her chair, put her legs out, and pumped the air with her hand. And she said, "I couldn't do that before. Like her hand was down here. She couldn't move it. She was healed." And um, it was like just seeing the life of God, like a smile break out on someone's face in like the darkest place. And um, we got chatting to her, and she said, can I tell you something? And we were like, yeah. And she said, that's happened to me before. <laughs> All right. She wasn't a churchgoer, but someone had prayed for her in the name of Jesus, and she'd been healed before. She said, can I tell you something else? We are like, yeah. She said, um, when I was a kid, um, my dad was an alcoholic, and I used to run away from home. And I used to run to a graveyard and find crosses with Jesus and just hug them. And sometimes I felt like Jesus was hugging me back. And I was like, and she said, do you think he remembers? I said, yeah, he remembers. But he loves you, and you know there's something better than being healed, don't you? You know that you can know Jesus as your friend, and you can know his love, and that's, that's even better than being healed. She shut her eyes, and she went, I know. Like, wow, we had to run. <laughs> and... Um, quickly kind of try and connect her with some things but it just showed me like just how much darkness there is <laughs> and these people need Jesus don't they lost people really matter to Jesus he's very committed to them he'll leave the found <laughs> to go over the after the lost and so I just like to pray for us I wonder if we could just stand and I just like to pray over us two simple prayers um, building on these two foundations the first is just, Lord, help me feel your love for me. Remembering, remembering why you loved him in the first place. Remembering how it felt. Remembering that love. And secondly, Lord, help me feel your love for the lost. I'm sure we pray those things. Lord, help us feel your love for us. Lord, help us feel your love for the lost. I think it was John Wesley who used to pray, teach us the value of a soul. It was like, Lord, just show us the value of one. Just the one to you. You know, we, we, we come to a father who knows the value of every person, who knows the life, who knows what they're going through. He sees them and he loves them. I just see um, God even bringing to mind faces, faces of lost people. He's like showing you, like he wants to show us the names, the faces of people. They matter to him. He loves them. He cares about them. Maybe just where you are, start crying out just for the lost people that you know in your families, your grandmas, your granddads, your brothers, your sisters, your neighbors, your enemies. Let's just start lifting up our voices. Let's go for it all at the same time. Just lift up the names. Just remind the Lord of the names. Say, Lord, save them. Let's just continue in this for a moment, shall we? Do you remember I shared this morning my own personal story? 
the power of prayer in my journey. So helpful. What Rob has just brought. Let's pray. So let's let's have another burst of prayer at this, shall we? Let's pray for these people. Let's pray, God, help us to be moved, that we might be more sensitive to you the next time we see them. Maybe pray for an opportunity to share something with them after these two days. Can we? Let's lift our voices again. Let's cry out to the Lord, the one who saves. Let's ask him that he may save some of these names now. Just as we're um, setting up here, why don't you just turn to the person next to you and just pray, just very quickly, 30 seconds, let's just pray for one another. Let's pray for an opportunity. Let's pray for that sensitivity, for an opportunity whenever we go back. Whether you go back tonight, even where you are, when you, where you're staying tonight, who knows what God can do. But let's just pray for an opportunity now. 30 seconds, let's go.